This is Tell Me Something Good About Retail with Bob Fibbs, the Retail Doctor, sponsored by CoreLogic. I wouldn't say a dream to go public. It was always an idea. And, you know, while I was talking about it, everyone said, why are you doing that? You're going to hate it. And I said, well, what could go wrong? Welcome to Tell Me Something Good About Retail with your host, Bob Fibbs, the champion for a more human connection in retail for over 30 years as a retail doctor. Bob is the authority on brick and mortar retail across the world, who works with some of the biggest luxury brands to independent retailers of all sizes. So today I get the opportunity to talk with Tom Sullivan, the founder of Lumber Liquidators, the owner of Gracious Home and the founder of Cabinets to Go and a serial entrepreneur. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for so having I, me. You bet. So I have to start out and ask you that you start out as a young age being an entrepreneur, and I understand it has something to do with bicycle tricks. Is that true? <laughs> uh, yeah. Back, I don't know how old I was, but. 12 or so, maybe younger. Built a couple ramps. So I used to like Evil Knievel, watching Evil Knievel. So I tried to be Evil Knievel on a bicycle. And I built some ramps and had a bicycle. And people paid 50 cents to watch, see if I could make it from one ramp to the other in my driveway. And did you usually make it? Or was it just take the money and run? How did it work? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, even if I didn't make it, I'd still got the money. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but usually made it. So I love the story of how you started Lumber Liquidators and, you know, starting in retail when you had your own construction company up in Boston. Can you let our listeners know how that all worked out? Yeah. So I had tried many things from starting with the, probably before the bicycle jump, different things and different businesses, different ideas, but I had already always had done remodeling stuff like in high school did painted houses for people, landscaping, shoveled snow when I was younger and cut grass, all that. So sell Christmas cards door to door. So for some reason, I was always interested in that stuff. So between contract, I'd come up with idea, try a business, didn't work, but always learned something. And so I started storing lumber. I was building a lot of sun decks in the Boston area and started storing Lumber at a place called Coheno Trucking and Warehouse out in Stoughton, Mass. And they were a trucking company, and but they specialize in lumber. So they didn't own any of the lumber, but they would, people like Georgia Pacific or whomever would ship product there. When they sold it, they would pay Coheno to ship a lift to, you know, different lumber companies. And so in storing my lumber there, I started seeing some leftover stuff that wasn't bad. It just looked, you know, the, the outside of it was weathered. The packaging was a little ratty, but the product itself was good. So found out who owned these different products and called them, see if they want to sell it at a discount. And then so made a few deals. And then on a Saturday, put a ad in the Boston Globe and other places and had a Saturday sale. And it was actually Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So the first time I did it, you know, there's all these pickup trucks and housewives driving around Coheno trucking, trying to find out where this lumber was. So they weren't too happy and um, <laughs> that we made a deal to move it out to a space closer to the street. But it was fun and it was a good business. So I kept trying to find deals and different type of building material deals and look, 
Murray used to send out a fax to lumberyards and suppliers saying we buy excess material or whatever. And and then also built up a list of people who needed different products for, you know, builders and people who use wood in manufacturing. So I'd have another email list that would go out and say, we have these 10 items. And so during the week, I'd do that stuff. And then on the weekends, do the open to the public kind of thing. It was just an outdoor shed. So it was kind of always open. Yeah. And that I think that original <laughs> first store is still there and looks pretty much like a shed, isn't it? Well, that's not that. This was literally in the back of a trucking company in a warehouse oh. under a um, just a cantilever roof. So that this the first store is uh, um, first lumber liquidator store. That was a year or two later, um, and that was uh, extremely fancy. <laughs> and that, even though that didn't have running water or uh, bathrooms. So. Well, I love I love the way you you just found the opportunity. And, you know, when you were starting out, I think you told me that um, you had had different phone numbers, wasn't it? That people would call and that's how you knew where to locate your stores by the amount of interest. Oh, yeah. So getting to lumber liquidators from Coheno, there was a place in there that sold hardwood flooring and they had a deal on flooring. So I bought that and just it was a much better business it was um instead of having people sift through 200 two by fours to take you know 10 two by fours people would come in by 500 1000 square feet of flooring and so that's how i started lumber liquidators then they opened the first store in west roxbury store one uh it was an old metal building behind a retail shop on route one in west roxbury um which between the charles river and this other retail building and yeah, so we started that. It started off a little slower, but it was um, it was in middle of January or January fifth in '96, and um, it started off a little slower, but it was built up to be a, a a much better business, just specializing in flooring and learning that business and kind of doing the same thing called flooring mills, find out what they had for excess stuff and have sales but yeah then i was thinking of a second store we put um at that time it was just classified ads it wasn't really the internet was just barely starting so i was thinking in you know hartford manchester new hampshire or new york and put a ad in each of those papers and the phone rang off the hook from hartford so that we went to hartford for the second store and in case you didn't know, that ended up becoming the largest hardwood flooring uh, company in the nation, right? I mean, eventually, yeah. And it was um, funny. I mean, it was probably a year or two after I started when we had three or four stores, and um, then I kind of realized this is what I was trying to trying. To, I had thought of the idea not necessarily hardwood flooring but just to have kind of these retail warehouse type stores around the country and it was always in the back of my mind but i didn't know what the product was then i found the product it was um kind of built into that what i was thinking of and you took it uh public was that always a dream of yours or was that uh just you know opportunity don't remind me (laughs) well you've definitely had Uh, some ups and downs there i know that so no, it was, um, I wouldn't say a dream to go public. It was always an idea. And, you know, while I was talking about it, everyone said, why are you doing that? You're going to hate it. 
And I said, well, what could go wrong? We just sell hardwood flooring. And <laughs> uh, so, well, there are two things with that. One, you know, we just look like the rinky-dink operation with little warehouse-type uh, stores and back of industrial parks and dead-end roads and small showroom and store. But once people saw what we were doing with that, the 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 business we were doing then attracted more competition. People saw what we were doing. And second, which is just opens up to a whole bunch of uh, crap from legal. Um, we had with a formaldehyde issue with uh, uh, short sellers right. sold short on our stock and came out with this thing that we don't even know if it was true or not true still to this day, but so it came out to be a big thing and uh, the stock tanked and they made millions and the original court case actually got thrown out of court in San Francisco uh, saying no one was injured. But mm. in that time, the, then they had to pay our court fees. But that that was, you know, nothing compared to what they made on it. It was uh, they made millions off of that. And um, well, and you had left the company, general, right? You had left the company and had to come back, and you came back to add stability, right? Wasn't that kind of? Yeah, I came back as a, a CEO for interim CEO for uh, six months or so, six to nine months, I guess. And in the meantime, then we got a new Lumber, Lumber Liquidators got a new CEO. And- well, I remember one of the stories you told the. Uh- uh, one of your guys, one of your managers was talking about how, uh, I guess, the little clips that you put around uh, <laughs> things. Uh, can you yeah. bring us into that? Because you were, uh, you uh, you knew your numbers. That's why you had no debt. You knew your numbers and knew what everything <laughs> had to cost, right? So uh, how did, just a story about saving money that way. Yeah, I mean, the clip story was these, when you band a pallet of lumber, you have these little metal clips and you'd crimp it together and the box of clips would be uh, probably i don't know 50 to 100 bucks at the time i guess and um so we used to buy one box so we had three or four stores at the time and one box would come to the boston store and then as i was going to the other stores i'd bring them a a little bag of clips from that box so we didn't have to buy four boxes (laughs) Uh, so one day the Hartford store got his own box of clips and he called me and said, uh, said, I see we made the big time. What are you talking about? I got my own box of clips today. (laughs) So, but yeah, we were very, uh, watched every penny because there were only pennies at the time. So, um, I literally started, you know, back of a beat up pickup truck and, um, and there wasn't much choice when we started lumber liquidators i was in the store every customer that came in i asked them uh, you know how they heard about us just in talking to them and you'd learn a lot about the advertising and just the business in general just from talking to customers and uh probably the best story on that is uh public storage you know the the self-storage warehouse so what i heard read about him was he was in there working and it was named private storage at the time his first one and he had gone into debt building this storage place called private storage and uh after like three or four people came in says i know it says private storage but can the public store stuff here too (laughs) (laughs) 
So he ripped ripped down the sign and changed it to public storage, which you know is it's very similar to um, this. You're just listening to your customers, especially when you're growing. You know, you may have a different idea than the customer perceives it and just in finding out anything like that you can change it quick if you're the owner but if you had someone working there you never hear that maybe for a year or two if at all and um so i think it's even if even if you have all the funds you don't need to be there it's better to be there especially initially well you know in your companies tom there seems to be the spirit of hustle that you had and brought to that culture i don't think that happens by luck I mean, I don't think you had a training program and a hustle, but is it a matter of getting the right people first or what What gives you that? Because your stores uh, with Cabinets to Go and some of the other endeavors uh, continue to have that same feel. You know, it's you know, it's something you're associated with. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think with lumber, we didn't. Yeah, it definitely wasn't any formal training. We found the right people, which, you know, um, you know, Tyler Green and who was, he opened store five in uh, Florida, but he came in as a customer when I was in the store in Boston, he had gone to school there and was doing remodeling stuff on the, uh, on the side. He wanted to move back to Florida. He said he liked the business and open there. And, um, and just different people like that, that we, uh, you know, a guy that was just a salesman that called on us in Richmond, uh, Mike Calford went to, you know, if he was moving back to Dallas and thought he could open a store there. So it was just the right fit of people, I guess. I don't know. They just liked how it operated and, um, most of them worked out and, you know, someone said at one point, this place is like a cult, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't really intentional. I guess everyone kind of had the same mindset and we had, you know, when there was good sales, there was uh, everyone um, just pushed for that. And it kind of grew into, I guess, on its own more. Well, and you uh, rewarded them for good sales, right? I mean, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's part of it. No, so yeah, when you. They, that was, yeah. They got good commissions. Um, I basically set it up how, if I were running a store, how I would like to. Um, work and if I harder I work the more money I make and I can potential to make good money um that's what I would want if I was running a store and they kind of had their own little business there because even back at that time you know we didn't it wasn't a lot of management it was they were on their own in Texas or California or wherever and they they ran it and would see the numbers each day and when you go into a retail store now uh do you get like I don't know, upset, pissed off. Do you look at things in in some stores and just like, what the hell are you doing? Do you, do you, because for me, shopping has always worked. Cause you know, I'm always looking at like, wow, if I own this place or, you know, does anyone see this? Oh. I'm just curious. Is that something you are afflicted with? Or do you just say, what the hell I'm getting in and getting out? <laughs> no, I, I definitely do. And that's, um, you mean, in outside of my stores, right? Yeah. Like a reg, uh, yeah. So I just, uh, one thing I've always drives me crazy is like, I'll go buy something and you pay, pay whatever it is you pay for it. And, and the person never says thank you or, you know, hello or goodbye, or whatever. And I just, that one thing that drives me crazy. And I try to instill that into our people, even though you're busy, if someone walks in the door, 
just say, you know, hi, I'll be right with you. And it doesn't take two seconds, but it makes a huge difference to the customer. And say thank you. I mean, the people just spent hard-earned money on your product. You want to be, be thankful they came in and make sure you thank them. And, yeah, probably little stuff like that. And, yeah, and just in general, yeah, whenever it's in a retail place, you look around and see different things. Some you can learn from, see some that you don't want your people doing. So, yeah. Um, kind of instill, try to instill that into people. Absolutely. Well, we'll continue in just a minute, but I want to talk uh, afterwards about uh, how you start a new business versus uh, growing it. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, CoreLogic. All right. Millennials and shoppers alike have many options when it comes to retail shopping. Competition is fierce, and CoreLogic wants to make sure your business is front and center of the transaction. Robust property data gives retailers of any size a competitive edge with a clear 360-degree customer view and a deeper level of insights into their targeted audience. Retail marketers can use CoreLogic's trusted property data to build a successful customer loyalty experience. By identifying new customers and uncovering accurate marketing insights, CoreLogic will help your business thrive. Learn more at corelogic.com find. Okay, so is there a difference between when you your attitude was when you were starting out and now like what cabinets to go has a hundred locations? You're not actively the CEO, so you've you've got Jason and a team working on that. Is it a different mindset, do you think? Or is it always are you always that same guy in all these different things you've started? Um, it's a little different. It's I found it's better um like Jason who runs cabinets ago that's to me it took a while to get the right ceo but he's great and has and more in the details than i am so that's worked out great and that's more um my fit as far as what i like to do is have someone good run it and you know i'm still involved and go to the stores every week and have a weekly call with different um the management and a regional manager and a store manager just to get a feel for the real uh, what's in the real world out there in the stores starting lumber liquidators was nothing compares to that after that i mean at the time it wasn't fun but looking back it was um you know it was every day was great adventure and seeing you know the first lettered truck first tractor trailer first tv ad which is it's like your kids uh, yeah, yeah. So the other companies are still great and seeing all that, but it's something about the first one is, um, and I'm the first kid in my family, so I guess that's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but they, uh, but starting that was, looking back, it was the best, you know, the great time doing that. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, by the way, I sold Christmas cards door to door too. I mean, I can't believe we share that. That is nuts. <laughs> That's good. Because you have to sell the them summer. in the hottest part of the summer because they had to be imprinted, right? And then delivered. <laughs> and yeah, if we didn't learn how to sell, boy, you know, that would have been uh, a different, uh, that would have been a different thing. And that, that hustle, right? I mean, that we were out there actively looking for it. I think that's something that an awful lot of people, you know, we keep hearing about this worker shortage and that idea of hustle. And, and if I do this, I'll get something in return just doesn't seem to be there for a lot of people. I don't know if it's that they're not 
modeling it. We're not watching it. Um, you know, I was surprised the other night I was watching some movie and there was like five uh, lumber liquidated or um, signs in the background. I was like, I never yeah. noticed that. Well, that's something that you've always done is a lot with marketing, right? You've always had a, a firm hand on that. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that was from the day one was just and it kind of just um, was like the perfect storm, actually, where there the hardwood flooring was all sold by distribu dis distributors to retailers and there was no one selling direct really. So um, started advertising, you know, every day in the Boston globe with a little ad. Um, then we started doing Howard Stern uh, radio for the local part of Boston um, and mailers and just basically tried anything. And that while well, then the, Red Sox, I noticed I don't didn't wasn't big TV watcher of sports, but somewhere I saw um was watching a game or walking by a TV and the Red Sox were on and right behind the batter was a um the ad and it just stood right in your face. So I um called and they had a they had a opening for you know a blank spot they could sell and that was crazy. Within a week, every young, old, male, female had seen the sign. Some people <laughs> didn't like it. The big, ugly, yellow sign behind the batter and uh, you're ruining Fenway Park. I said, hey, you got the number. <laughs> but the uh, I'll take your credit uh, card now, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So but it was uh, just, you know, try different things, which hadn't been done in, really in the hardwood flooring business and just selling direct and um, and promoting uh, the flooring like that. And so we spent a good amount of money on advertising um, dollar wise, but, uh, but it helped us grow quick and um, and get the name out there. Yeah. Well, one. What's one of the best or the most worthwhile investments you ever made? Like that's across all the companies that you have now or have had. Um, and if you really want to go crazy, you could only tell me the worst as well. But what's the best you think? For marketing, you mean, or just in general? Anything, anything. The worst investment uh, or the best uh, other than your sales training, you mean? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we should just stop right there. <laughs> Tom is obviously a genius. We should stop and learn more about that. But, well, of course, that's how we came to meet. But no, I mean, I and I do no, appreciate I that. Don't get me wrong. But uh, also, I will, I will say, my friend, that for you to invest in it also said you believe in your people. And I think that's a big investment that a lot of people miss is you're not going to get anything if you don't invest in your people, right? If they don't get better and take them in a better positive direction. I think they can fall in on themselves and become, you know, bitter and hate you and shrinkage goes up and customer service goes down and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. No, I, that's what I was going to say is probably as far as overall people, having the good people, the first guy I had, it was me in the store and Jerry Madden and uh warehouse and still he's with cabinets to go. So he's put up with me for 30 years now or something, but wow. <laughs> so, but he came and said he had to leave because there was no health insurance at the company and at lumber liquidators at the time. And I personally didn't have health insurance. I was till that time as well. So like, 
I was about 38, I guess, at the time. And so I said, well, get your health insurance and pay for it and found a way to do that. And so little things like that, that I kept it that way that we paid 100% of everyone's health insurance at Lumber Liquidators. That changed when we went public, of course. But, but just, yeah, treating people right. If there was you know someone in a store that had an accident or death in the family, they needed money, we would do something like a, you know 5% of all Saturday sales go to this family from where the, you know and stuff like that so yeah definitely overall is the best investment is people and you know i see a lot of people trying to skimp on even whatever the person does but just getting the right people saves a lot of money in the long run even if you pay them more or right. pay them a good salary and get good people and keep them it is definitely worthwhile yeah and any ideas of worst investment you made <laughs> I would say when I started cabinets ago, not paying attention enough initially okay. to getting the, I wouldn't say it's an investment, but just a lesson to learn to, like we talked about before, pay attention to everything, especially when you're starting and don't assume you could put someone in the store and it's going to operate the way you think it is, be in the store or whatever, and try it yourself and listen to the customers and see what works. And took a few years to get the right model with cabinets to go. And I think it could have been quicker if I paid attention more. That's a great point that, you know, people open a business and they think that I've opened it, it's done. It's like, no, you've got in the game now, right? Is that now's the time you have <laughs> yeah. to learn. Now's the time. Holy crap. I mean, imagine starting a business now with the labor shortage we've got and with supply chain issues and you're new and you don't know any of the stuff that you know, all the workarounds. I mean, that would be pretty punishing, right? Yeah, definitely. And if you're in there and you've done it, well, that was one thing at Lumber. I remember one of the region managers, a store manager was complaining that he had to do something, you know, unload a truck or whatever, and said it couldn't be done. And he said, and it was something that I told him to do or whatever. And I said, well, Tom said to do it. You can be sure he's done it himself and it can be done. So people take your, if you've been there and done it, it's a lot better than just, you know, saying it can be done because you saw it in a book somewhere and you just learn it yourself as I think you get more respect from your people and and you know the business better. So it's not just some hype that you're talking about. Huge lesson. That is excellent. Well, you've been gracious with your time. I've just got to ask you um, one more question here, my friend, unless there's something sure. that I have missed that you want to talk about here. You've gave us some really good lessons on operating any business, not just retail, but tell me something good about retail, Tom. Why the hell are you still in it? Tell me something. <laughs> good question. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's exciting. I mean, it's, uh, it looks like if you send out invitations to a party and people show up and have a great time, it's kind of similar with the business. You have an idea think people will like it you send out the ads you get it just and you meet all different people and it just to me it's an exciting business where you can have people basically come in and they love what you're doing or have different opinions and just more interesting i guess as far as a business it's not okay. sitting in an office doing something you're, you're it's a live theater all the time different things happen some good some bad crazy things all that but it's more exciting i love that it's live theater well you've been really great to uh, share your insights with us today tom i really appreciate you joining us thank you very much Bob. 
You've been listening to Tell Me Something Good About Retail with Bob Fibbs, the retail doctor. As a listener, you can receive free information and guides when you visit retaildoc.com and sign up for our exclusive weekly newsletter. Thanks for being with us. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. To virtually bring Bob to all of your crew and associates, check out www.salesrx.com.